Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. My guest today is Christina Ofcharik. Christina is the founder of Exhale Brewery based in Calgary, Alberta. Her motto is, making the world a better place one pint at a time. Yeah, she's after my heart, I think. She came to my attention through a personal friend of ours, Matt Phillips, one of the owners of Northern Chicken. And you can check out Matt's episode, which we released a couple months back. It's an excellent episode. You'll learn a lot. Now, Christina is an Australian-born Alberta craft beer personality. And she's well known for her industry marketing and sales game. And she doesn't pull any punches. When Matt was discussing with me future guests, he's like, You've got to get Christina. And so it's her talent bringing people to the table and getting the suds into them as well. Now, Australian born, I now also know through research that she spent time in Santa Rosa, California. This is where she gained some of her craft beer background. I'm also interested in finding out about this nickname that she's gotten uh, based on fosters we'll find out more about that as well what's great about christina is that she has faced her own trials and tribulations and she continues to share her awareness and resources which open up dialogue on what really matters and we're going to get into that today i'm excited for this interview before i bring christina to your listening ears this podcast tales of the 2s lgbtq plus is a weekly audio and video podcast that showcases the remarkable people like Christina, and perhaps you one day, who are part of this 2S LGBTQ plus family. It's by listening to our stories, your stories, where we gain insight, understanding, and connection. So let's continue to connect in 2022 as these stories are shared. This episode was taped live and do expect that there could be some unexpected hijinks, snafus, and other things that have taken place. It likely has happened. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other audio platforms, please leave a starred rating, a comment. Those comments and ratings do help us get recognized through the algorithms, which is great. And if you're watching us here on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Get notifications when future stories are released. I'm based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's important for me to say that as I would like to acknowledge that I am on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Sado, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, especially the knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today and those who have gone before. I continue to open myself up to listen, to learn, and to understand, and I hope you join me on this journey as well as we learn the truth. It's now time to bring Christina up on your screen to share her story. Christina, welcome to Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. Thank you for having me, Doug. I really appreciate it. Go. I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm on Treaty 7 out over here in, in Calgary, but I'm originally from the Birrarung uh, region out in uh, Victoria, which is the Melbourne region along the Birrarung River of Mermanong. Perfect. Well, how does someone from Australia find their way to, to California and then make their way up here to Calgary? Uh, well, originally, uh, California was was a secondary uh, stop. I almost married, uh, married who we will affectionately call the American. Um, clearly, that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> and I made my way back here. Um, I hear he has a wonderful wife and, and, and baby now, which I was probably not going to do. I was probably just going to give birth to a big old brewery out in Northern California. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, I landed November 9th, 2009 uh, on Canadian soil. I was only going to ever come for one ski season. Um, and uh, actually prior to that, I was supposed to, I had a visa to go to the UK after my first ski season in Australia. Um, but that ended up falling through and I ended up following a friend of mine uh, over. And uh, yeah, she'd already done a couple of seasons in Banff and uh, asked me if I wanted to go with her. And I said, why the hell not? And uh, came over here, as I said, November 9th, 2009. I'll never forget. It's actually been a very pivotal date in my uh, world a few times, which is it's quite odd, actually. Um and uh was out in Banff, surprise, surprise, um, for a while. And uh then I yeah, went met the American traveling through Alaska and uh went back to Australia. Then he followed me over to Banff and followed me over to Japan. And um yeah, that's when it kind of went went to pieces and I came back to uh came back to Canada instead of going back to Australia um or the plan was actually to to move out to uh to Santa Rosa um and say la vie uh 13 years later I find myself in Calgary with the craft growing craft brewing business and creating communities so yeah so do we get to keep you then? Are, are your roots now in Calgary or are you going to fly off here one day? Uh, no, you get to keep me. Um, so I'm a permanent resident. I was supposed to get my uh, my citizenship in uh, 2020 and a pandemic hit. I don't know if you heard about it. No. Um, <laughs> it was hyper-local, just oh. super hyper-local. Yeah. yeah. So it's some middle. type of... Out Calgary bid or something? <laughs> yeah, out by, out by like Highlands Park, tuxedo area and Cal, just hyper-local. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I lost my job and I needed that $700 that was going to be spent on my citizenship to be put on, put on either my credit card or pay for my rent. Didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm still a permanent resident and uh, I will one day get my citizenship. One day. One day. Yeah, one day when my feelings don't fall out like it did uh, today. <laughs> exactly. Well, for the people here who are uh, watching and listening to us, before Christine and I pressed the record button, we were talking about how today was a day. For myself, the lights burnt out here, and I've got this light here on the side, and I look like my dad today, <laughs> and it's... I, I don't know what to think, but I'm feeling it here today, and I don't know if that's good or bad. And, Christina, seconds before we came on air, what happened to you? Yeah, I was eating a, a, a wine gum, and um, it pulled out a, a filling. So that's what happened to me. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. And here we are. Sharing our joy and love of life today. <laughs> Well, let's get your street credibility here. How are you connected to our rainbow community? Um, well, I've been an advocate, an ally uh, for a really long time. My It turns out um, 95% of the male friends that I grew up turned out to be gay. Um, and so um, my nickname back in Australia was Princess. There was actually a lot of a lot of the queens running around uh, didn't actually know my first name. They just knew me as Princess. I worked in uh, one of the premier gay clubs and uh, drag clubs um, for a number of years. Um, and then finally I had a really honest conversation with myself. <laughs> And I was like, bitches, bye. Um, I actually, um, fun fact, only came out to my parents last year. Oh. Well, congratulations for that because that's you. you. I was figuring that they probably have already guessed. Um, and But, you know, one of the things I, um, you know, look back at, I, I ran away from a lot of things. Um, you know, there was... You know, I would have said it was my wanderlust before I did all my therapy. Um, but I ran away from a lot of trauma and I think I didn't have 
big conversations with myself for a really long time and I didn't talk to anybody about my sexuality um, for a really long time. But I was a huge advocate for everybody else flying the flag and I it was just not something that I knew how to to say to myself or say to other people. Yeah, it's very typical with many of my female friends who have come out as being bisexual. Uh, they have mentioned many things like yourself being an advocate, being a huge supporter. And part of that was hiding because when you're advocating for others, you're not advocating for yourself. And then there mm-hmm. comes that time when you have to have that conversation. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my glasses are really dirty. I'm going to take them off. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's an interesting one, and people are often quite shocked um, when I tell them that because of how integrated into the community I've been um, since I was a teenager. Um, and yeah, and, and actually, when my my gay friends like my gay friends were super shocked. <laughs> <laughs> they were always uh, my, you know, my old roommate uh, Stuart. Uh, he uh, he used to when I would get out and I'd get out my power tools and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, you got your lesbian toolbox out, have you, love?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fixing things. Okay, I'm fixing the things that you broke." Uh, <laughs> um, but we used to joke that I was a gay man trapped in a woman's body. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I'm not surprised by any of this, and I just met you, Christina. I'm like, yeah. um, so there was so what I did kind of goes, oh, that makes sense. Your lesbian toolbox and your sexual exploits, like, <laughs> yes, Lynn, that makes sense. So, is this one where potentially viewers can get a hold of me to say, hey? About this Christina that you had on, uh, is she mingling? Uh, it's a very interesting question. I am and I'm not. Um, <laughs> I um, I have some relationship trauma, not even going to lie. Um, and I am coming through two years of pandemic, starting a business. I'm in massive growth mode with exhale right now and um i'm really enjoying my solace it's it's there's been a it's been a long road getting to this point and um you know i i'm not short of options to go on dates and and spend time with people i kind of just i'm not I'm not, I'm just, in, I'm really, it's not that I don't want to date. I'm just really enjoying my solace. I'm really That's enjoying my peace and I'm really enjoying my journey right now. And I want to forge my way where I'm going, um, knowing that I am doing what I need to do for me. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not against it and I'm not turning away from it. It's just not something I'm intentionally seeking. Yeah. The best piece of advice I ever received was to get rid of the fantasy of two hearts finding each other, two halves of heart. You got to have your full heart, <laughs> your full body, your full being and then you can find someone else and that time is right. And you're coming together as two unique, distinct people forging a role. And you're on your journey right now. Speaking of your journey, let's talk about Exhale Brew Company. Let me bring a website to the screen and I'll mention this to everybody. brew B-R-E-W. Co.ca. So exhalebrewco.ca. This is your baby. This is this is the you baby. You were saying you were saying with the ex-husband that you would birth a beer company <laughs> instead. The visual image of suds just now. <laughs> My mom is probably listening to this right now and be like, "Sorry, mom." Yeah, Douglas, <laughs> you were good, but now you've just taken it way too far. So Exhale Brew Co., what is it? Um, It has been a 
baby that I guess I've been giving birth to for the best part of the last decade. Um, it's not something that I decided to do overnight or in a matter of months or, um, yeah, so I started to learn how to brew when I was living in Santa Rosa um, out in Northern California, which if you're a beer person, you know that that is uh, Pliny country. Um, so, uh, yeah, I uh, I kind of fell in love with the process and um, I was already come, I, I was pretty blessed um, that I came from a family. I mean, we weren't rich, but, you know, we weren't poor. We were definitely working class. Um, but on Sundays we cooked together from the fresh produce that my grandfather grew in his backyard and my father was really into wine um, and taught me that you, and Australia, you don't have to be rich to drink good wine. Um, so I, uh, you know, was, I was traipsed around to vineyards in the back of my parents' you know, 1978 Mazda 626 that was a bomb. It wasn't the Mercedes and the fancy cars that everybody else had at the vineyards, but my parents spent money on um, experiences um, and travel rather than fancy things. Um, and that's kind of the family that I grew up on. And I, I'm so blessed that um, and grateful that I grew up in a family that developed my palate and developed my language in and around um, uh, food and, and drinking experiences. Um, so, yes, yeah, so when I moved to Northern California, I kind of walked into the garage where my ex and his father were brewing. And I looked at this and I was like, I've got a science degree. Um, I'm pretty sure I can maybe do this better. Um, so I decided that that's what I was going to do and I was going to do it better. Um, I applied for University of Davis uh, for the Brewmasters um, school out there and you have to have a science degree to get in. And uh, I was accepted and then I broke up with the American and I didn't go back. So <laughs> um, I decided to come back here and... Um, I, I took what I'd started because like, we were going to be gifted a property by his family hall, uh, you know, redneck dairy farmers um, and had kind of properties dotted throughout Northern California. And the goal was to, to build a brewery on that. So it's just something that I've never let go of. And um, I'm really grateful for even though that relationship didn't work out, um, and like dodged a bullet by not ending up in the states. Let's face it. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and people say, "Oh, California," but Northern California is very conservative, from my it understanding. It, it, yeah, definitely. You definitely can be. It, it can. I think it's that weird, like where the far right and the far left have that like middle meet in in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, that weird intersection. Anyway, don't get me started on that. Um, it's such an odd intersection. Um, so I kind of dodged a bullet there and didn't end up in the States and came back here and uh, kind of got on with my life of trying to get my, my PR. And I decided to just continue traveling for beer and drinking beer and reading things about beer and studying beer while I did my other things and uh, made a break into the industry um, actually, one of the I decided that I was going to give my when I got my permanent residency, I decided that I was going to give my um, God, how long? Fifteen year career working in sports and recreations uh, management. Um, I was going to give that the flick and uh, have a complete career sea change and started off bartending in a beer-centric venue um, and learnt draft line maintenance systems and then went on to uh, work in production packaging uh, with Village Brewing and uh, then went on to manage um, beer categories at a private um, a liquor store here and uh, then that's when Zero Issue picked me up um, before they opened and I took over their social media marketing and sales role, um, my first kind of break into the industry. Um, and, yeah, say la vie, here we are. Um, it's, it's been a rocky road. Uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful for every experience that I've had along the way. I've been able to go into other people's businesses, see how it works, uh, beta test things, um, uh, navigate a very interesting uh, het white cis industry. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
and I paid for it dearly a couple of times um, because I was treading into places that people didn't want me to tread doing things in the way that I did them because I did things differently and I was people were noticing me and I was taking up shelf space and taps that um, people thought that that wasn't going to go away ever and uh, you know I've been yelled at and uh, you know who the fuck do you think you are you don't deserve your place in industry by another brewery owner in town and uh, people who've wanted to see me fail um, uh, being called a diversity I just got the job because I'm a diversity hire um, you know but I've sat I've that's sat so Cicerone exams so frustrating sat Cicerone exams and BJCP exams and uh, you know been you know brewing for the last I don't know decade or so and involved myself in many facets of the business and that was the whole thing of when I got my PR my permanent residency I wanted to treat um kind of treat the next couple of years as being my my university degree of understanding what the industry is and how it works and looking at it from many different perspectives. So when I did decide to, you know, get my brewery um, planning up and running, I had this very niche experience and, and a broad spectrum of experience, um, both from brewery settings and 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 accounts management from the other side, from buying, um, to be able to have the insight that I'm so grateful to have now, even though it's not been, you know, an easy easy ro- road, so to speak. Well, let's talk about some of the product. And for the people who are listening here, I just want you to imagine what it would taste like from what I'm going to be telling you right now. The product, first product is anti-reens and it's a plum pudding porter. Mm. We also have mates for life. It's a coffee British golden ale. They weren't raging against white goods, which is a Belgian saison. I don't know particularly what this is, so I'm going to have to get your expertise later. We have one that's called I Won't Do What You Tell Me. See you next Tuesday, which we're definitely going to talk (laughs) about. It's a dry, hot Aussie style uh, drink. And of course, your first one, I believe, your first drink, which is titled impeachable a hopped peach wheat ale so we've got here six or seven beers that you can get on your shelves wide variety of tastes here now i do want to first come to the sea next tuesday c in this case being s-e-e um not a u as in ya but we get the idea why did you want to create and title one of your drinks? See you next Tuesday. Um, you know what the funny thing is? I Canadian suit where you're like, oh, I really want to say that word. I'm like, I give you permission. I give you permission to say that word. And there is a couple of reasons why in Australia we use it quite affectionately. Mm-hmm. Like we'll say, oh, have you met Doug? He's a pretty good friend. <laughs> you met him? Oh, yeah. I like him. <laughs> You can give it to me. You can, I'm ready for it. Um, uh, and we will use it quite affectionately. Um, we're not offended. We don't use it to degrade people in the worst. I mean, we can and with intention, but it's the same thing as calling someone a dick. You know what I mean? Like we're not offended by the word dick. Why is my genitalia as a woman so offensive? Why has the patriarchy taken my genitalia and turned it into something so grotesque? You know, I'm not subscribing to that. I've got one. It's rather lovely. And as a bisexual woman, they are lovely. I know that I don't don't need your input on this, Douglas, okay? I have no input (laughs) to give. Um, I'm like... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um and i'm taking back the power of it over here love it just taking yeah it's uh 
and if you take the power back of something, then I can't be offended by it and I can't be degraded by it. Um, there is, I'm, I'm actually going to do a, a fun promo with a, a, another female entrepreneur female entrepreneur out in uh, Cochrane and uh, she has a company called Go Mug Yourself. I go look it up on Instagram. It is amazing. Anyway, she sent me something today and she said, I made something and everything I did, I thought of you. And it actually has like, like a lovely little sparkly picture of kind of like an outline of a vagina and it just says magnificent cunt across it. And she said, should we put this on a tumbler or a mug? I said, I think we should put this on both. So <laughs> Like this is this is what we this is how we should be embracing yeah. this word. I want to I want to embrace. So my cats are going mental right now. <laughs> <laughs> the cats are agreeing with you, going yeah. Give they're us going, more. They're going absolutely mental right now. Um. So and the other thing is so, uh, all my core beer actually has a community give back on it. Um, this beer uses all Australian hops on a Kolsch base, so it has normally. Kolsch, it's a German style beer and it generally has early edition hops because the certain bittering acids within those hops are really low and you put them in at the start of the boil so you can draw as much of those acids out and it won't be too bitter. Um, whereas these other, these Australian hops that I use, they have a higher, higher bitterness acid in them. And so I use a late edition on that instead of an early edition. And then I do a dry hop of um, another hop called Galaxy, which has these and just a lovely like delicate two gram per liter kind of like little zhuzh on top um which gives it that melon characteristics and um those kind of like creamy white floral and um you know a little bit of that pine as it warms you get like a little bit of like this pineapple that rolls through it's just gorgeous um yeah christina isn't beer just supposed to be like molson canadian labats and you just drink it and you're done with it I mean, Isn't if you're a basic what? bitch, that's fine. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, you know what? If that's what you like, that's what you like. And that's fine. And that's, you know what? That's uh, that's that's what you like. That That's great. Um, I am going to have a very honest and vulnerable moment with you. One of my guilty pleasures in life is a Labatt Blue. Hmm. A Labatt Blue and Chicken Fingers. Fuck me, amazing at the end of a shitty day. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, if that's what you like, then then go for it. Um, but, yeah, this the CNX Tuesday Aussie Kolsch is now, it was only going to be a one-off, um, but it turns out it's now my bestseller and I can't, I, I have trouble sometimes keeping it on the shelf. Um and partial proceeds from all of my core beer will be going back to a non-for-profit as part of my um, very, the core values of Exhale. Our core values of Exhale is um, standing um, in service for our community and, and being authentic in our being and who we are um, and being okay to call a spade a spade um, in doing so and having hard conversations. But what uh, See you Next Tuesday does is partial proceeds ongoing um, every quarter gets donated to the Calgary Kangaroos Football Club. They have a non-for-profit um, youth sporting program. They don't turn any family away, whether they can afford it or not. So I actually sponsor the families that can't afford that. Uh, the reason being for that is I'm late diagnosed ADHD. Um, and But I come from a family that was, you know, going back to, you know, my, we didn't have fancy things, um, you know, and I, I got most of my clothes from hand-me-downs or going to the thrift store. Um, but my parents spent, you know, the money that they had on providing experience for me. And so for 20 years I was put through, you know, ballet, tap and jazz and I did horse riding and I uh, played Aussie rules football and um, I ran cross country Um you know, I, I've been an athlete, you know, and then I got into skiing later on in life. Um, and they've funded some of my world travels to be able to do that, you know, helped fund some of my world travels to be able to do that. Um, and it's probably it's because of sport um, and that outlet for me that gave me a sense of accountability. It gave me discipline. Um, it it forced me to have to be present in the moment. Um, which I think without that influence in my life, I probably would have ended up in a lot scarier 
places than than what I did. And I want to be able to pass my privilege on to other kids and other families who might not have that privilege. Mm. Wonderful to hear. Wonderful to hear. There's something else that we share, and we'll come back to the beer and the beer, the crafting world in just a little bit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went and got my naloxone training certificate. And we did that because we have an organization that I help organize on every Friday called Pride Corner on White. And you never know who and what situation you're going to come across. Why is naloxone training so important for to you you're gonna make me all emotional <laughs> it's the freest therapy you can ever have oh cool so i can stop paying thousands of dollars for my exactly therapy. amazing so we're just going to do this every week <laughs> um well it comes from a, a level of places but i guess the um the real motivating piece for me personally is I lost a very dear friend um, to an accidental poisoning uh, back in 2019 um, in May, uh, two months after I lost my best friend of 26 years, sorry, um, who had been struggling with uh, addiction for the best part of a decade, um, who was self-medicating uh, bipolar. Um and he he intentionally um overdosed um so yeah so in the spate of two months i lost two people i love um i've had my own lived experiences not with opioids but definitely with inhalation i um i worked in nightclubs and gay bars for the best part of the formative years of my late teens and early 20s i have seen it all um, and when I say clubs, you know, I worked also in a club that was a 24 hour run club. Mm. Um, so we have 24 hour licenses in places in Australia. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen and experienced it, it, it all. Um, and you know, in, in Luke's and, and Paul's, um, honor and, you know, I don't want their deaths to be in vain. Um, and from my own lived experience, from a perspective, a perspective, uh, you know, from a, a perspective of being an onlooker, but also being in the culture as well, um, I want to make sure that, you know, people don't die. Um, and I want to destigmatize because the reason why I was able to get through um out alive you know some of the shit I did I look back and I'm like how the fuck did I like how the fuck if I got to all like I turned 40 in March mm -hmm. um and I often am perplexed and surprised um when I think about some of the dumb shit that I you know have done and the situations that I put myself in um we have this stigma around drug use um that is so dated um but drug users look exactly like you and me. I produce a drug, legally produce a drug and sell it for a profit. And um, I agree that I need to pay my taxes and excise to cushion that. But part of um, my responsibility as well, I think, and part of my corporate responsibility is that as a drug producer, my drug is no different from the drug that you use. Um it's just that mine's legal and, you know, why are we stigmatising? We've essentially made trauma a criminal offence. Um, we often characterise drug users or junkies, and I hate that word, um, as the houseless. Um, but unfortunately, um, what people don't realise is that the statistics are that people who most look like you, Doug, um, who are men aged between 35 and 50, um, are dying in their own homes. It will take you an hour or two of your life to go get naloxone training, and you never know. You mm -hmm. may have to use it one day. Be ready for it. There's a lot to do about you, and but I want to go back to the craft beer. 
And let's talk about your first one, Impeachable. Now, just based on that name, I can figure out what and who that could be about. Uh, it's, again, a hopped peach wheat ale. Uh, I will simply say that this beer would be the only thing associated with that man that I would want down my throat <laughs> because it's been shoved down our throats for many, many years. So this one would go down nicely. But why was your first one impeachable? Because I wanted to launch my brand with the brand voice that it was going to have, which was unapologetic. Um, that individual who became the leader, essentially, of the free world, um, the largest First Nation in our global scale and to economy, um, the fact that an individual like that was able to garner so much power. Um, I, um, I just couldn't. I couldn't sit there and and not say anything. I've always been very socially and politically motivated. Um, I have, especially over the last couple of years, been more vocal. And um, I've left communities. I left a whole martial arts community because I was tired of banging my head up against the wall of um, being able to show people respect that did not show me respect. Um, and being told that Trump was an okay bloke. Um, you know, there's reasons why hundreds of thousands of women took to the streets of Washington. Um, and I decided to do something in a very white, hetero male space that no one had done yet. And I decided to be me because I give zero fucks anymore about being somebody else. Isn't that a great feeling to have? It's, oh, it's so empowering. I've only, <laughs> I've only had that in the last few years. Beforehand, there was part of me that cared, but the last couple of years, no, I figured out who I am finally and warts and all, which is great. You mentioned um, your company, you know, being unapologetic. You mentioned before about how difficult it has been for a woman entering into this field, um, shelf space, comments from others. Now, I know that my question spans just culture but why are women who are in the craft beer industry not allowed to be unapologetic because we have a patriarchal system that says that you have to color room with in between certain lines and uh i've you know understanding why i've or what could be the centre of activity and attention, and I still feel like I am the eye of the storm and there is no one around me. Um, I think the reason why um, we're made to have certain voices or we're made to sit and stroke certain roles is because if we have to be somebody else, to be in that industry and I think that a lot of women have had to be someone else to be in the industry um, and have had to play by the rules that were laid before us and that you don't talk about politics or you only cater to a certain um, majority, uh, you know, group or opinion um, and you have, to, you have to play within those lines otherwise corporate won't buy you. Um, fuck it. <laughs> like, seriously, fuck it. Um, unless we start to blow these arbitrary rules apart. Um, and I've decided that my nipples are not offensive either. I've decided that cunt is not an offensive word and I'm taking back the power. Um, and I'm going to play by my rules because I'm not like you. 
and there is still a place for me and guess what I'm really fucking good at what I do whether you like it or not I'm not going anywhere amen amen (laughs) I understand you completely with that um it's kind of related in a way but there's the last couple years have been difficult of course for all of us and for myself I've been working in my industry where there's no worries when it came to jobs. Um, the last couple of years, there's been struggle. I woke up one day about four or five months ago and I went, I'm doing this podcast, which is very, very gay. Even though we don't talk about homosexuality a ton because we are celebrating all facets of a person. But we're doing this. On Friday nights, I'm organizing something that is very gay within our community. And then I was like, work-wise, though, I've had to live a very straight life when it comes to work. And so my goal with my work life is now to be what a, a title that we called Rob Borowski's episode here on here. I want to be a professional homosexual. Beauty. I love Rob. Because <laughs> I don't want to give a fuck anymore. And mm-hmm. I want to be loud and I want to be obnoxious if I need to, but I want to be able to create space and we need to do that. And that's space for people like you and people like me who talk and are loud. And even though I have difficulty saying the word, it's (laughs) difficult, but I will try to, you know, you've got to say you magnificent cunt. we'll have lessons this is the first time i will ever say these words together that is a magnificent cunt yes (sighs) (laughs) so there is a whole um sex in the city episode about um, an artist who does plaster replications of cunts and him and his wife have their cunt studio. And you've got to look it up. I, I grew up on Sex and the City. It was, it was a thing. And one of the things, so Carrie goes in and has a plaster done, a plaster mould done, and the wife stands there and she goes, oh, dear, you have a beautiful cunt. And it's just so heartfelt and loving. And Carrie's kind of like laying there with legs spread eagled and like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And we don't, unfortunately for most of us in the world, we don't celebrate what we have, what God, who I think looks like Alanis Morissette, but that's me. Perfect. I understand why. Alanis gives us, you know, we don't celebrate our bodies. You know, I am a heavier set. I say properly plump individual. Um, I have my love handles. I'm, I'm learning to love myself, but I've never, ever loved my body ever. But I am so grateful for someone like you, Christina, because you were part, you have been part of a calendar that was created. And this is a calendar that we promoted in the Matt Phillips episode uh, because he was part of it as well. So can you tell us more about this magnificent calendar that has been created? The one that you're going to be in for 2023, right? Cystic acne, scars, plump body and all, I will consider it definitely. I would love that. I would love that. That would be amazing. Oh, I just got the chills. <laughs> I'm scared. But I could, could, could I pose with Matt? Oh, for sure. Matt's set up for two years running. And I have a wonderful story about uh, the 2021 when we did the first shoot in 2020. And uh, we did it at at, uh, Craft Beer Collective here in Calgary. But I will tell you about how the calendar started. So um, one of the things I always joked about was that, uh, you know, people like, oh, you know, would you ever pose nude for something? And I'm like, you know what, for charity, of course I would. And When 2020 hit, um, I'd always been involved in, like, breast cancer 
research funding and because it runs in in the family. Um, so Arnie Reen's Plum Pudding Porter has a give back on it as well to the Alberta Cancer Foundation for the breast cancer. Um, and I'd always been involved in Movember and um, always, and then also suicide prevention stuff, um, which is where Mates for Life is linked with as well. Um, and then in 2020, we just couldn't do events. And so I was like, okay, so how do we raise money and awareness and still give back to the community and, and have positive messages? And I was kind of like, oh, I have an idea. Um, it kind of wasn't that I actually microdose. I get my best ideas microdosing. Um, sometimes I take a little bit beyond microdosing. I meditate and I have the, I come up with the, the intention that I want and then I have a jolly old little time and I can like flip my brain over. And uh, so I came up with this idea and um, my dear friend, uh, Ryan Orr, um, who I am so grateful, we have some very different, opinions and life stances on things but we continue to challenge each other in the most compassionate way um and I just like he's one of those people that at the end of the phone call he says I love you and I love you too stupid bastard that's fine <laughs> um anyway we know each other from the Muay Thai circuit days when I used to fight and I called him and I said, I've got an idea. And he went, oh, shit, Christine has got ideas. And I said, I've got an idea for this calendar. I want to do an exhale calendar with Live Free Photography. Um, if you check out his um, site, it's livefreephotography.ca on Instagram. He's so talented. Um, I said, I want to do this calendar. Would you be the photographer for it? I have no idea how I'm going to pay you, but we'll work it out. And he's like, you're not going to pay me. We're just going to go and have fun. And I've climbed up trees naked more times in my life than anybody should climb up trees for this individual, naked <laughs> for this individual including in the middle of the Nevada desert in, at, in midnight. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we put this, so the whole, the first year was, uh, it's all 100% um, 100% proceeds are donated. Uh, so the first year was my, split between Movember and a, a Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, I now sit on the board of uh, each and every, so we're a coalition of businesses, mostly, mostly alcohol producers now nationwide, and I was a founding board member with uh, Ewan Thompson um, in the fight with our opioid crisis. Um, so 100% of the proceeds of 2022 went there, but it is a cheeky, uh, naked, liberating, body-accepting, all-inclusive, um, diverse calendar that is just such a joy every year to put together. And uh, Matt Phillips, um, God bless him, Alanis, bless him. Um, <laughs> he um, was, of course, was, you know, he was kind of, he was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And uh, drove down from Calgary, from Edmonton for the day and turns up and strips off and he's got his gorgeous little pink thong on and his crop top and gets up on a bar and he's beaming, like the smile that he has. And we do this whole photo shoot. And I've never, and I've watched that individual um, over the last few years and he's become one of my closest friends just break and rebuild yeah. himself and that what I would find out later was a very pivotal moment in his journey of accepting his body and accepting his ability to express his sexuality and um, embrace himself and when we finished the kind of the photo shoot he hugged me and we both just started bawling <laughs> um and he's gone on to do more photo shoots yeah. since and just really be who he is and that's one of the things that um you know people are like oh, I, I wouldn't know how. i was like it's fucking liberating like you just got to get past the first five minutes of like trying to cover yourself and then when you realize like we don't fucking care like okay i'll get naked whatever <laughs> It's just, it's just, a, it's just a nipple. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
And our our we've once again it's been a patriarchal standard that nakedness is is crude sexuality and how about we just desexualize our bodies a little more? Um, maybe we'd have less rapes as a, you know, multi-rape survivor. Um, you know, I nakedness um, as a as a sin is not a sin. It, you know, your nipples are allowed on Instagram. Why aren't mine? Why are mine so sexualized? That's one thing I'll never understand. Ever, ever, ever of just why we criminalize the woman's nipple. I never will understand that. It's. I just had another post. It was a super blurry nipple, like in the dark. It's a dark, it's a beautiful night shot um, from one of the, the first um, shoot, one of the first calendar that we did. And there's four guys, three guys and two of us girls. And I've kind of got my arm down and it's like a, it's, it's a blurry nipple. And they, it's been up, uh, it's been on Instagram for five months hmm. and it was only just taken down. Instagram deemed it as offensive. It was sensitive. It's like, uh, oh, the, my fucking The social God. platforms, Facebook and Instagram, we love them, but that's with quotation marks around it because they make some decisions. Include Twitter with that as well. I it's, just, uh, you know, Christina, we started off getting your street cred uh, when you're talking about yourself. And you mentioned um, just recently talking to your parents and recently discovering your bisexuality. What does this knowledge bring to you just in everyday life? And it's not, you know, dating or lack of dating or anything like that. But what does that knowledge or that strength give you? Um, it probably wasn't a recent revelation. It's probably like it a, a been happening over 10 years. It's only been recently I've been able to have, the over the last couple of years, I've been able to have the conversation and kind of slowly like get myself used to saying it before I say it more often. Um, uh, one of the revelations that happen is that my bisexuality is a lot more palatable for most people. Um, it is my bisexuality as a woman is sexualized, um, which is why it's a lot more palatable, whereas a man's bisexuality is not as palatable um, because it's the patriarchal system that doesn't want to sexualize that. Um, and that's and I'll, also, and I'll also jump in because the community, the rainbow community has not helped with that as well because no. growing up, lesbian, gay, and if you were a male bisexual uh, person, that was always just going, oh, they're just testing the waters until they fully come out later on. And we so we put the stigma upon that male within this community as well, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably didn't come out in the way that I did. And part of why I ran away was I was told by somebody who I love dearly and who loves me dearly and unconditionally without knowing and with the knowledge and the culture that they had when I was 16 that you could be straight and you could be gay, but you can't be in between. Yep. you got to pick one or the other. And I, I think at that stage kind of you and I just went, oh, oh okay. All right, okay, and then just didn't do anything. Um, and I've always been a hypersexual person. I've, you know, I've always been very sexually expressive. Um, I just wasn't sexually expressive in the way that I wanted to be sexually expressive um, until I left Australia, and I felt like that I could because I wasn't there anymore. Um, so yeah, it's. The other thing that um, has been a revelation to me is not only is my sexuality um, hypersexualized by um, the Hetzis community, um, there is also the other side um, where I'm not gay enough, as he said. I haven't got it as much. I haven't got it from the queer community, I'm going to be honest, but I have got it from my my straighty potato um, community where I had another brewery owner say, how are you, like, you're not even, like, you're bi. It's not really gay. 
it's not really queer is it like like it was almost like oh is this a marketing ploy but like to to are you supposed to be wearing clad with your u-haul with your tool belt and all those other stereotypes yeah apparently yeah so you know i'm not gay enough on the other side either um yeah yeah and the expectation is that that is essentially the expectation is because i don't always dress in plaid and my you know my steel cap boots um and sometimes i want to don a semi-see-through top and a pair of uh a pair of heels and and straight you know (laughs) how to do um and I, I want to put makeup on and, and have long blonde hair or long pink. It's actually blonde right now, but it's going to go pink very soon, let's face it. Um, or purple. Purple. No, definitely purple for my 30th. Uh, for my 30th, for my 40th. 30th, I wish. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that, that that's been an interesting one for me. Um yeah, do I, some people have asked me, like, do I, like, regret not coming out earlier? I, I'd like, no, I don't regret that. Um, I did it when I felt like it was right and that's not wrong or right to to anyone. And if there's anyone still not sure, like, it's okay to be not sure and it's okay to, like, not be comfortable saying it out loud. Get comfortable saying it to yourself first. Yeah. before and you feel like you have to say you don't even have to say it to anybody else if you don't want to fuck it who cares live your life and there is no instruction guide on what you're supposed to do step by step live your life feel what's comfortable make sure you are safe at all times mm-hmm. make sure you're safe when the time comes for you to express yourself and that's even to yourself and that's what's most important and realize that Within the rainbow community, we have a variety and we cannot erase any bits about ourselves and have mm-hmm. to look out for each other at all times. Yeah, I think that the biggest one is as long as you're not holding shame around it, you know, like don't hold something in because you are shameful or you feel shameful about it, you know, shameful. Living in a place of shame doesn't is, is not good for anyone um if you're living in a place of shame and you're not ready to say it you know at least say it to somebody who you know loves you unconditionally i'm always there i'm like my my contact information is extremely public if you can't say it to anyone else always know you can come and say it to me perfect today (laughs) on tales of the 2s lgbtq plus we've been talking to christina offchark let's bring up your website once again www www.exhalebrewco.ca that's x-h-a-l-e-b-r-e-w-c-o.ca and on all the different social medias once again exhale brew co x-h-a-l-e-b-r-e-w-c-o as we come to the end of our conversation with each other christina two questions And I somewhat know the answer to this, but I want to play on that word exhale a little bit. And ages ago, there was the movie Waiting to Exhale, which centered on four women living in Phoenix. And they talked about relationships and the men in their lives. And all of them were holding their breath until the day they could feel comfortable in a committed relationship with someone. Are you waiting to exhale yourself or is Exhale Brew Co. the thing that makes you complete? Um, wow, that is a lot. Are, are we ever complete? I don't know. Is that is that ever a <laughs> That's a next thing? week's therapy session. <laughs> as a perfectionist, there is no such thing as perfection. <laughs> um yeah um for me exhale is a place where i can finally just fucking be me and um i the x 
Um, I mean, there's a couple of things around the X, and uh, my nickname's X Tina. Um, but the X also marks a spot. I'm not fucking moving from it. And I want to give everybody else X's to mark their spot and hold space for people who traditionally haven't had space held for them. And the exhale is just being able to breathe easier because you can be authentic. And we love you because you can be authentic. Just don't be a cunt about it. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. I see what I did there. See what I did yeah, there. That yeah, that was wonderful. That was that was like, yeah, we're good. We're good. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christine, we're gonna make sure that everybody gets your social media. And whenever we advertise this episode, we're going to, of course, put you out there to the world because one thing that I've learned by doing these episodes is that you get introduced to people and you become smitten. And here I'm smitten with Christina. And here, for some reason, I volunteered to be potentially in a calendar. Ah, that's scary, but that's many months away. (laughs) But I'm excited just that everyone is going to have you in their knowledge and in their orbit. And that's that's what it's all about. Thank you so, for the platform and uh, and giving us the platform to do it and having a love and a passion uh, to be able to create that community. It's the thing about Excel as well as creating community connections through craft and you're connecting people through your craft as well. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Well, okay, we're going to be connecting up more times and this is not a one-off. So that's a perfect thing. On behalf of Christina Offchark, from Exhale Brew Company. My name is Douglas Parsons, reminding you to be good and always text when you get home. Oh, and Christina, I love you. I love you too. (laughs) Goodbye for now, everybody.